You're listening to a podcast from City Tribe Media. We're an urban tribe that helps people who feel far from God to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. For more fresh content, check City Tribe on YouTube, Instagram, or Facebook. Enjoy the message, and welcome to the tribe. Now here's Lee Wong. Well, hey, tribe, it's great to see you guys, and hello to everyone who's joining us digitally. My name is Lee, I'm one of the tribe teachers, and as mentioned, we are kicking off a new series of teachings today, four weeks, that sort of culminates and continues the conversations that I've led this year. But more importantly than that, this series of teachings is going to prime the pump and till the soil for what our lead pastor, Doug Robbins, is going to do the first five weeks in the new year. It's going to be amazing. Now... As for this series specifically, these next four weeks, let me share with you the premise of it, and then we'll jump into the scriptures. So have you all ever seen those red Keller Williams realty signs that are staked in folks' front lawns? Well, that company at one point, not sure if this is still the case, but at one point was named the most innovative and happiest companies to work for. And their founder, Gary Keller, wrote his philosophy that helped him experience such extraordinary results. In his book titled, The One Thing, He shared this concept that helped him live extraordinarily, and this is some of the basis for our series. He said, a two-inch domino has the power to knock over a domino that's one and a half times its size and its weight. So imagine that you and I lined up a whole bunch of dominoes to reflect just that, and we knock over a first domino that knocks over a second domino one and a half times the size of the first, and that second domino knocks over a third domino one and a half times the size of the second, and so forth. Well, it would take, mathematically speaking, only 56 dominoes to generate enough power to knock over a domino so large it spanned the height from the earth to the moon. And Keller's point is this, that if you and I give our best time and energy to finding and knocking over that right first domino, it'll set off a chain reaction in our lives such that everything else will be easier and our life experience would feel more extraordinary. Our relationships would be healthier. Our work would be more fulfilling. Our mental and our emotional health would improve significantly. We would have strength to battle our addictions and overcome our, our grief. And our impact in the world would be even greater. And so Keller, he developed a clarifying question which helped him discover and knock down that right first domino. And having seen great results from applying his question in my faith over the last few years, I've adapted Keller's question to be the basis of our series and not just seeing the impact of it in my life, but I want for you guys to have a much easier life if you face hardships. And I want you to have an even more extraordinary life. So y'all ready for that question? Here it is. What's the right first domino in your life that you must knock over Such that by knocking it over, everything else will eventually be easier. Better yet, let me ask it this way. What's the one discipline that you and I must develop such that by doing that discipline daily, life will be even more extraordinary? Think about that. What do you think it is? 
y'all watching digitally, type in the answer in the comments, and we'll see a little bit later if you are right. Over the next few minutes, we're going to explore how the scriptures answer that question. And in the following weeks, we're going to further unpack the answer to it. Now, the answer to that question is all throughout the scriptures. But because no other contributor to our Bible wrote more about it, today we're going to focus on the final section of first century historian Luke's gospel account. And then we're going to jump into the continuation of that account in the first and second sections of the book of Acts, which he also wrote. So if you plan to follow along with me in your Bibles, be sure to open up and turn to Luke chapter 24 and then be ready to continue that storyline in the book of Acts chapters 1 and 2. Now, before we begin, would you all join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we acknowledge that without your help. We will not change. We cannot change. So, Lord, we just ask that you would soften our hearts, open our minds, help us be attentive to what your scriptures teach, help us be open to receiving whatever it is you want to say to us, God, help us stay focused so that there aren't any mental distractions or any real physical distractions. God, we ask that you would speak to us, that we would leave this place today encouraged and transformed. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, it's important for our conversation today that we have a clear idea of who Jesus' first disciples were. So, do y'all remember that 1990s classic Disney cartoon, Aladdin? Well, Aladdin was a Middle Eastern teen from a poor family who never received formal education. His community saw him as an unsophisticated scoundrel. They called him derogatory terms like riffraff and street rat, and it impacted his self-worth. And so he sang out, if only they'd look closer. Y'all remember that? <laughs> they wouldn't see a poor boy. Okay. Well, the way Aladdin's community viewed and treated him is much like how Jesus' first century disciples were viewed and treated. They were in their late teens and in their early 20s, and being from a region known as Galilee, they descended from a line of Jews who historically had been opposed by God, because as the scriptures teach us, that people group and everyone in that people group did what was right in their own eyes. And because of that, Jesus's first century disciples, they wouldn't have received the the privilege of the rigorous training in the scriptures that their fellow Jews from the South would have received. And they were seen as a lesser culture of Jews, unsophisticated scoundrels, and with the same hateful intent as the terms riffraff and street rat. They were referred to by a derogatory term, merely Galileans. So whenever you see Galileans in the scriptures, I want you to think worthless, or I want you to think riffraff or street rat, something to that effect. And y'all, let's not gloss over this truth. All right, these riffraff street rats are exactly who Jesus invited to lead his kingdom movement. And so let me encourage you that if you have a shameful past, or maybe you've been told that you come from an unsophisticated line of people, or you live in or below poverty, if you've been told you're not old enough, or you're not skilled enough, you're not 
educated enough. You're not holy enough. You are exactly who Jesus adores and who he chooses to take his kingdom movement to the next level. And you are exactly who belongs here at City Tribe. Can I get an amen, Tribe? Can I get a thank you, Jesus, up in here? Now, with that picture of who Jesus' first disciples were, here's where we pick up in the final section of Luke's gospel. Jesus had been crucified and buried. And then, to his disciples' surprise, but just as he predicted, three days later, Jesus was raised from the dead. And a resurrected Jesus then taught his disciples their Jewish scriptures, which are our Old Testament scriptures. And he taught them that they aren't merely a bunch of rules and rituals that need to be followed and practiced, but that those scriptures are first and foremost a story of who he is and why humanity needs him. Luke wrote it this way. And this is a last minute addition to the message today. We didn't originally have this in there, but for transparency of you guys understanding why we encourage you to interpret the Old Testament the way we do to look for Jesus first, we included this. So Luke wrote, beginning with Moses and all of the prophets, he, Jesus, interpreted for them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. And then he opened his disciples' minds to understand the scriptures that they all point to who he is and why we need him. And then, having just taken his disciples through this intensive seminary, Jesus declared something that would have been incredibly encouraging for his disciples who would have only ever been seen as riffraff street rats. And hopefully by the end of our time today, you too will be encouraged. Jesus said to his disciples, what else the Old Testament reveals and talks about. He said, look, I am sending you what my father promised. I am giving you a gift. Now, what had God previously pledged that Jesus's disciples would have been encouraged? And what does this have to do with our question about that very first domino that you and I must knock down the discipline that we must develop to live an extraordinary life? Well, to understand what God had previously pledged, the gift that Jesus said he would provide, consider with me for a moment the cinematic comic character, Tony Stark. And even if you're not into comic movies, you think they're corny or cheesy or think I'm a nerd or something like that, stay with me. I promise I have an important point with this. So Tony Stark, he doesn't have superhuman strength or out-of-this-world ability, anything like that, but he does have an intellect, and he does have his father's technology company with which he developed the Mark 85 Iron Man suit that comes from a device within his chest. His Mark 85 suit is equipped with a Siri or Alexa-like assistant, a program that is so advanced it practically thinks for him. His smart suit, it can instantly process all of the information that's available on the internet, which gives Tony this like godlike knowledge. It analyzes his opponent's moves so he can accurately predict their next move and outmaneuver them. And so when Tony summons his Mark 85 suit, his natural human intellect and intuition and abilities, all of that is enhanced. That is, when he suits up, he is, here it is, clothed in power. When Tony suits up, he is clothed in power. And this idea of our natural human intellect and intuition being enhanced by access to godly wisdom is partly what God pledged in our Old Testament, in the Jewish scriptures. It's what Jesus 
promised that he would provide. Jesus said it this way to his disciples. And look, I'm sending you what my father promised, that gift. And as for you, stay in the city until you are clothed in power from on high. Jesus promised to provide his disciples, you and me, with a sort of heavenly Mark 85 suit. God pledged to enhance our natural intellect and intuition to help us precisely predict our next wisest move in life. That's pretty sweet, right? As, for, as a father, I especially pray that my baby girl and my nieces and my nephews, that they will be clothed in power so that they have the wisdom to know what to do in very difficult situations, that they would have discernment as to which friends to choose and the people to date. I personally, too, need an enhancement of intellect and intuition as a husband who naturally knows all the wrong things to say to his wife at just the right time. Anyone else want to be clothed in power from on high? Come on, somebody. Tell someone you came with or tag them in the comments and tell them, suit up. Suit up. Now, that's only part of what God had pledged and promise, the gift that Jesus said he'd provide for you and for me to best understand what else God's promise entailed, I want you to consider this. So for those of you listening only to the audio, I am holding a jar that is filled with vinegar in which pickles are immersed. And now, fun fact, in a recipe for pickling around the year 200 BC, we read the first written record of the word from which we in English get the word baptize. Now, pay attention to this, okay? Make mental note of this definition because we're going to come back to it later in our conversation. When folks in ancient times thus heard the word baptize, they didn't think of a religious ritual like you and I might think of in our world today, like a baby getting baptized in a Catholic church or something like that. No, they would think of the pickling process when a change agent transformed something's nature and preserved it, like these pickles. So for example, these cucumbers were immersed in vinegar. They were baptized in a change agent. And because they were baptized in vinegar, it reacted with the vinegar's properties, and they thus became pickles. Their perishable nature was forever transformed. They are now preserved. Make sense? Well, baptized meant to immerse something in a change agent that would forever transform its nature and preserve it and change, and a change agent that would forever transform his disciples' nature, their hearts and their minds, and preserve them is what else Jesus promised he would provide. He later said it this way to his disciples, you will be immersed in a heavenly vinegar. You will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. God in the Old Testament previously pledged to immerse Jesus' disciples, you and me, in a heavenly vinegar, his Holy Spirit, in order to transform our hearts and our minds so that we take on his properties, so that we take on his nature. And mind you, God pledged to immerse you and me in the same spirit who existed before creation in community and in unity with the Father and the Son. He pledged to immerse us in the same spirit whose wisdom and knowledge generated from absolutely nothing, the heavens and the earth. And he created everything 
very good. He pledged to us the same spirit that was breathed into man's nostrils that brought him to life, that made him animate. And the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead so that he ascended into heaven. And so like how cucumbers baptized in vinegar become pickles, whenever you and I are immersed in Jesus's Holy Spirit, we begin to take on his nature. When we are immersed in Jesus's spirit, we become generative creators of very good things. When we are immersed in Jesus's spirit, we become hope breathers and life givers. And like a pickle can never be unpickled and returned to its cucumber form. Once you are immersed in Jesus's spirit, you can securely rest knowing that your soul is forever preserved from perishing. You and I are brought into an eternal community with the father and the son and other believers through the Holy Spirit. That's a pretty sweet promise. Am I right? Now, maybe like me, some of y'all know some spiritual folks who are kind of hokey, kind of weird, right? You might be a little off-put by them. Or maybe some of you know someone who said, you know, I've tried all this Holy Spirit stuff, but never, did, never really did anything for me. Didn't help me get that job. Never miraculously paid off my debt. I prayed that the Spirit would help the Cowboys win a freaking game. And you've seen the last 25 years, right? And so maybe all this talk of the Holy Spirit is a little off-putting or you've been disappointed or you're underwhelmed. And I totally understand those sentiments. And let's just be really clear here, though. Your friends and my friends who are underwhelmed and disappointed, they are just wildly misinformed about the Spirit's role in our lives. And so that you and I don't become underwhelmed or disappointed, let's make sure we understand this. Why did God pledge to clothe us in power and immerse us in a change agent to transform our natures? For what reason did Jesus provide the gift of his Holy Spirit to his disciples? Well, what Luke recorded next, it clarifies the Spirit's role in our life. Here's what happened. About seven weeks had passed since Jesus was raised from the dead and a resurrected Jesus. Eyewitness reports about him walking, talking, eating, teaching with people. They spread all throughout the Eastern Mediterranean region. Thousands of devout Jews from all over the known world at that time, seven weeks later, they returned to the center of Jewish worship. Jerusalem, where Jesus had been crucified, for a major barley harvest known as the Feast of Weeks, also known as Pentecost. The harvest was plentiful. And just as Jesus had instructed them, 120 of his Galilean disciples, they were gathered together awaiting to be clothed in power, awaiting his spirit. And just as Jesus promised he would provide, their natural abilities were suddenly enhanced. They were clothed in power and they were immersed in a heavenly vinegar. Their natures transformed. They were baptized by his spirit. Luke detailed the event this way. And I want you to pay attention. Pay attention to the spirits working in the disciples' lives. Luke wrote, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in different dialects as the spirit enabled them. And then hearing these folks speak, these uneducated 
unsophisticated, young Galileans so profoundly praise and proclaim truths about God that was written in their Jewish scriptures. This, they shouldn't have been able to do that. In various languages, thousands of devoted Jews in Jerusalem, they grew curious how this was possible. Luke wrote, those Jews were astounded and they were amazed, saying, look, aren't all these who are speaking riffraff Galileans? How is it that each of us can hear them in our own native language? We hear them declaring, here it is, declaring the magnificent acts of God in our own tongues. So did you see it? What did the Spirit enable Jesus' disciples to do? Declare the magnificent acts of God. And so, don't be underwhelmed. Don't be disappointed when the Holy Spirit doesn't help you predict the Powerball numbers. Don't be underwhelmed or disappointed when he doesn't help you grow in popularity and help you get praise. And yes, continue to be cautious of hokey spiritual folks whose actions only get them attention. Because personal profit is not at all why Jesus promised to provide the gift of his spirit. Jesus provides you and me with his spirit. He clothes us in power. He immerses us in heavenly vinegar and transforms our nature so we can breathe hope in this world by pointing people to the only one who can give them the life they are seeking. Jesus eventually said it this way. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you and you will be my witnesses. And in pointing people to Jesus, then we can experience the joy and the peace of bringing them into God's eternal family. The excitement of knowing we have prevented someone from perishing forever. We have preserved them for eternity. And that joy and that peace is what we think winning the Powerball or becoming popular or getting praise will bring us. Now, I want to highlight just one more element, one more point that Luke recorded about God's promise. And then we're going to answer that question about the one discipline that we must all develop. So when the thousands of devoted Jews questioned how riffraff Galileans could so profoundly praise God, one of Jesus's disciples, Peter, he stood up and he explained to them that God's spirit wasn't available to only educated and sophisticated and devoutly religious folks. He clarified for them what God had actually promised through their Jewish prophet Joel 800 years prior. And the fact that he clarified this is a miracle in, his, in itself. He shouldn't have known this. Peter quoted what God said. I will pour out my spirit on who? All people. And then your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Boys and girls, they will declare God's magnificent acts. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Every generation can experience this. I will even pour out my spirit on my servants in those days, both men and women, and they will prophesy. And ladies, this is why we so strongly believe, we are convinced that you have a voice. You have a significant role in Jesus' kingdom movement. And then only those who pray certain prayers, light certain candles, perform certain rituals, will be saved. Doesn't say that, does it? And then, say this next word for me. Then, 
everyone. Let's say that again. And then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You will be preserved and not perish. Now, this isn't in the notes here, but I was just feeling a little something, something that I wanted to do with this. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Those who declare that Jesus is Lord will not perish, but will be eternally preserved. So here's what we're going to do on the count of three. Even those of you who are joining us digitally, you can type this in the comments on the count of three. We are going together to say Jesus is Lord. Obviously, only if you believe it in your heart. I don't want you to feel compelled to do it if you're not yet there in your faith journey. But if you believe in your heart of hearts that Jesus is Lord on the count of three, we are going to say that together. Pretty clear, right? And you're going to type it in the comments. So here we go. Jesus is Lord. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord. Who said that? You're saved. You're saved. You're saved. You're preserved. You're a pickle. You're a pickle. You're a heavenly pickle. Everybody who said that, you are saved. You are preserved. Heavenly pickles. You cannot become a cucumber again. So let's recap everything that we've learned about the gift that God pledged that Jesus said he would provide. Jesus said he would provide a sort of heavenly Mark 85 Iron Man suit. He would clothe us in power. And then like a cucumber is immersed in vinegar and forever is transformed into a pickle, Jesus promised that you and I would be immersed in a heavenly spiritual change agent, his Holy Spirit, to transform our hearts and our minds to reflect his likeness. Why? So that we can boldly live out God's original intent for our lives, so that we can live our purpose and point people to him and thereby bringing out peace in our own lives and bringing peace into the world. And then God pledged that his spirit was a gift to any and everyone who simply declares what we just declared, that Jesus is Lord. And now, with that clarity of God's promise, we're now ready to answer our question. What is that right first domino that we all, you and I, must knock over so that everything else in life will eventually be easier? The one discipline that we must develop such that by doing it daily, everything else in life will be easier and we'll experience a more extraordinary life is this. Now write this down if you're taking notes. We must develop the discipline to live by the power of Jesus' indwelling spirit. The one thing that you and I can do such that by doing it, everything else will be easier eventually and life more extraordinary, is we must learn to live by the power of Jesus' indwelling spirit. Let me tell you, for me, I am so convinced, I believe so wholeheartedly that this is the right first domino that we must knock down, that I upended my entire approach to life. I've alluded to what's changed in my faith over the last few years throughout this year in the Better Recognized series, parts one and parts five. And here's just a few more details about my journey. So one Sunday a few years ago, City Tribe was gathering in Sunset Station uh, across the street as the Cameo Theater was being renovated. And Pastor Doug had invited me to be a guest teacher. Now it was the fourth and final gathering that day. 
And I stood in the back of the room with my good friend, Humby Cerveda, who was at that time a pastor in our tribe. And I awaited to once again take the stage to teach that last time that day. And being the encouraging friend that Humby is, as if to say to me, all right, Lee, get focused, muster up whatever energy you have left. You can eat when you get home and you can take a nap then and be sure to give God and the tribe your best effort because you guys always deserve our best effort. He put his arm around me and he gently and lovingly smiled and he said to me, last one. And maybe he suspected something was up because he was always encouraging me to hang on because God was going to rip the hinges off doors for me. But what Humby didn't know, he couldn't have known, was that for several months, my wife and I had been getting our ducks in a row, preparing for my eventual departure from church work, from vocational ministry. Admittedly, like many in my generation, I was just mentally disgruntled with how church organizations all across the world, mainly in the United States, especially flirt with ideals that are just completely opposed to what Jesus taught in the scriptures, what I was seeing. I was emotionally depleted with my own feelings of ineffectiveness, like what I was giving my time and energy to just wasn't being fruitful, and I was spiritually dissatisfied. I knew that I was focused on the wrong first domino, and I needed a reset. So I'd expressed to my wife, Christine, some of our closest friends, my mentor, that I felt God directing me out of church work for that reset. I felt he was inviting me to reassess my dominoes, to deconstruct and then to reconstruct my philosophy for a renewed emphasis and a greater effectiveness when I eventually returned, which I thought would be when I was like 45 or 50 years old. And so, back at the Sunset Station in the back of the room with Humby, I knew in my heart of hearts that that final fourth gathering would be the very last time I would teach a fresh sermon that I had written for a few years. And with that understanding weighing on my heart and on my mind, I looked at Humby and I responded to him almost relieved. Yeah, last one. Not long after that, I hit a personal breaking point where I knew, given the state of my heart and my mind, it would not have been ethical or honoring for me to continue receiving a paycheck that's funded by the generosity of folks like yourself. And so with my wife's blessing, we said, you know what? This is the right thing to do. And I left church work. But then that's when the real work started within me. That's when I got to work examining the scriptures and looking at them afresh to find that right first domino. I focused on what Jesus, God himself in human form, taught and how he conducted himself. And it became so clear so quickly what I had been getting wrong, what so many American churches are getting wrong, and what so many followers of Jesus will miss, unfortunately. And then I read something that affirmed what I'd been seeing and feeling what a mentor was helping me understand. And it is so consistent with what Jesus himself taught. An expert in Luke's writings, Dr. Graham Twelftree, he wrote this. Luke elevated the significance of the coming of the Spirit, not only to rival, but to surpass the significance 
of the resurrection story. And reading that, oh, I had to take a step back, close the book. It's one of those things where it just messes up your whole day. It jacks with you completely. What's even greater than Jesus' birth, Christmas, which we all celebrate? What's greater than his death, resurrection, and ascension, Easter, which churches are always crowded during those times? Pentecost, the event that we're talking about today, when God pledged that he would open the floodgates of heaven and pour out his blessing that overflows his spirit so that he is always with us. That is significant. That is the first domino, the right first domino. You know, the gospel isn't just that Jesus died for our sins. And the gospel isn't just that three days later, Jesus was raised from the dead. And the gospel isn't just that he ascended into heaven to sit at the right hand of the power of God. All of that is still incomplete because there is another part that we've been talking about that was promised. That Jesus did all that. That he might pour out his spirit, immerse us in it, and clothe us in power. That's why the right first domino that you and I must knock down such that everything else will be easier. The one discipline that you and I must develop such that by doing it daily, everything else in life will be easier and life even more extraordinary is we must live by the power of Jesus' indwelling spirit. And my eyes now being open to this truth, I changed my mind. I gave consideration to what gets my best time and energy. I revamped my entire teaching style. I revamped what I emphasize every time I teach and have the opportunity to connect with you guys. And y'all, I am very much a riffraff street rat Galilean. And look what living by the power of the Spirit has done in me. I cannot stop talking about the magnificent act of God, the pouring out of his spirit. Think about this. In the year that I have been with you guys in this tribe, in the enrichment series, we learned that you must know the spirit's voice. You must know the shepherd's voice. In the year invited series, part two, we learned to deny yourself daily and ask the spirit how to show preference for others. In part five of that series, we said, draw near to God and pay attention with intention to what his spirit has to say to you. In part 10, we learned to steward the spirit that's been given to you. In the Better Recognized series, part three, we learned that the Spirit is the one who gives life. In part five, we learned that it's Jesus' Spirit that sustains and satisfies you. In part nine, we learned to stay constantly connected to the Spirit, your counselor, and let him make the calls. Listen, we love you. I love you. We want you to experience an extraordinary life. If you are dissatisfied, disgruntled, disappointed, we want you to experience something that just makes life a little easier for you. So we have intentionally been trying to send you a message. We are emphasizing that to live a life of joy and peace, you must knock over that right first domino. You must develop the discipline to daily live by the power of Jesus' indwelling spirit. Now, you might be wondering, okay, but how? Right. Practically, Lee, how might I live by this power of the spirit that resides within? And that's what we're going to explore these next several weeks in this series we're calling The Gift and the Giver. The Holy Spirit is the gift 
that gives life not just to us, but to others around us. And so next week, part two of this series, we're going to explore how Jesus' indwelling spirit has the power to renew us. In part three, I will be back with you guys personally to explore how Jesus' spirit empowers us to raise up the world around us. In the final teaching of this series, we'll explore how Jesus' indwelling spirit has power to refill us. But it's just four weeks, and these four weeks are just scratching the surface. And so as mentioned, for the first five weeks in the new year, our lead pastor Doug is going to fire us up even further with deeper teachings on the spirit, that first domino. And so if anything, put on the top of your New Year's resolution list that you will learn to live by the power of Jesus' indwelling spirit and make plans now to gather with us, whether digitally or physically, for the next eight weeks, especially as we give emphasis to this one thing. Now, as for today, where might we start? We start by doing what Joel prophesied and what Peter told the thousands of Jews who witnessed the spirit poured out onto Galileans. Peter, in his own words, he put a spin on Joel's remark about calling the name of the Lord to receive the spirit. He charged the crowds with a word that literally meant to give second thought to after considering it meant also to change their mind. He said to them, repent. In other words, it's as if Peter was saying, where you start today is to give second thought to who Jesus is. Give consideration to calling on his name and declaring what we declared a few minutes ago, that Jesus is Lord. Turn back to entrusting him and living by his power. And then Like God said through Joel, he will pour out his spirit. He said, repent and be immersed in Jesus' change agent. Be baptized to each of you in the name of Jesus Christ. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and their children and their children. And for all who are far off, it's for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. And then Luke told us that as a result of folks giving second consideration after considering those thoughts and changing their minds about who Jesus is, that very day, 3,000 people were baptized by the Spirit. Their souls forever preserved their natures, and thus our world have changed because of their extraordinary impact from the Spirit. And so if God ushered in a new era of humanity through 120 Riffraff Galileans, the most unlikely and unexpected individuals. What new era might God, through our 1,400-person tribe, what new era might God usher in? What new era might he usher in through you at your home, in your family tree, at work, in your school, in your community, in this city. I don't know, but I'd like to find out. Where the 3,000 started is where I want us all to start today. As one tribe. I want us together to give second thought to who Jesus is. Let's repent. And whether you're a longtime follower of Jesus and you've already received the gift of the Holy Spirit, 
Or if you've been following along with City Tribe all throughout this year and you're at a point where you want to make a declaration that Jesus is the God who pours out his spirit onto everyone who declares him Lord. If you're disgruntled, depleted, or dissatisfied, if you want to live an extraordinary life, you want to knock down that first domino, I invite you to declare with me, Jesus is God who opens up the floodgates of heaven and he gives to us what he promised, that he will pour out a blessing until it overflows his spirit now and for eternity. And so here's how we're going to do that. Right now, the band is going to play a song called Spirit Breakout. And whether you're gathered with us digitally or you're here in the cameo, I encourage you to create some mental and physical space. Maybe in your living rooms where you're watching, you would feel comfortable getting on your knees or however you feel comfortable. You here in the cameo, feel free to come to the foot of the stage or to an area behind the production booth. And as the song plays, I want you to imagine that you are being clothed covered in a heavenly Mark 85, that you're being clothed in power. Your Iron Man suit is taking shape on you. Or I want you to imagine that you are immersed in a heavenly vinegar like a pickle and you're being transformed into the properties of who Jesus is and you're being preserved. And all the while, I want you to give second thought who Jesus is. Change your mind about him. Repent by meditating on these lyrics. They're on the screen. King Jesus, there you're declaring that he is Lord. You are the name that we are lifting high. There's no other name above you. You are God alone. So spirit, break out. Lord, pour out your spirit once again. Change me change us. Spirit, break out.
salvation. King Jesus, that you are Lord, that you are God above all, all powerful creator, and yet you love us. people like us, that we would live in power with an enhanced ability to live out your purpose for our lives. Come Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, fill us again. Clothe us in your power. Immerse us in your heavenly vinegar. We're not going to rush this moment, oh God. You've done it before. We pray that you would do it again. You did it with 120 Galileans, riffraff, street rats, God. Do it with our tribe. Spirit, break out. Break out from within us. We are dissatisfied. We are disgruntled. We're depleted. Our lives, our world are in dire need of you. Spirit, break out. Heaven, come down. Come into our marriages, our relationship with our children and our grandchildren. Spirit, come into our teachers and in our schools. Transform us into your nature. Come, Holy Spirit. Spirit, break out. Do it again. Jesus, you are the name we're lifting high. We give consideration to who you are. We repent. Fill our living rooms. Fill this cameo. Fill our souls. God, help us declare the magnificent act that is you pouring out your spirit. expecting big things from you. Life would be even more extraordinary, even in the midst of the ordinary. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. And everyone who agreed said, Amen. You may return to your seats. Well, hey, some of you, for the first time today, made that declaration that the prophet Joel said, if you made this declaration, God would pour out his spirit onto you. You said that Jesus is Lord. And so for those of you who did that, first of all, congratulations to you. We are thrilled for you. As we talked about all today, you are now forever preserved and you are reconciled into a relationship with God and with all of us who believe and so, City Tribe, would you give a huge round of applause for anybody who may have made that declaration today? <laughs> Believe it or not, one of the other things that Luke writes is that all of heaven is rejoicing for you right now. Now, I know some of you might 
still have some questions. Maybe you've already received the Holy Spirit, and maybe that was the first time that you prayed to receive the Holy Spirit. But if you have certain questions or you want to process certain thoughts and certain feelings, we do have folks that are ready and available to pray with you digitally. And so those of you who are joining us digitally, send us a direct message to any of our social media platforms. We will connect you with somebody. Those of you here in the Cameo, you can scan one of the QR codes here. Direct, it'll direct you to somewhere where you can put your prayer requests. Now, for whatever reason, I don't know why that I know we celebrate Christmas and I know we celebrate Easter, but in the United States, for whatever reason, we don't celebrate Pentecost. However, we do have an opportunity to celebrate the pouring out of the Spirit in your lives through water baptisms, the symbolic expression that you have been immersed into that heavenly vinegar and that your nature has been forever transformed. And we want to celebrate that with you. So December 24th, Christmas Eve, as Pastor Robbie said earlier, be sure to sign up. Let us celebrate that your life has forever been changed. December the 24th, go to citytribe.church slash baptism. Now, one other thing, and then I'll give a benediction and we will all be dismissed, you guys. Um, you know who we are. You know what we're about. I've shared with you just how we view your generosity and we honor that. And so I ask you guys that if you consider City Tribe your home, you know and you believe that we are all about Jesus and talking about the one domino that must fall, the one discipline that everybody must develop is connecting with the Holy Spirit, then invest and sow a seed into the kingdom movement here. Be sure before you go to give your first priority and you can give to the storehouse by going to citytribe.church slash tithe or go to the offering boxes here or you can give from a mobile device that's on the screen. But I promise you, we steward well the resources that you work so hard for, and we try to multiply it into souls that are going to join us in heaven. Now with that, if you feel comfortable, go ahead and stand up, and we'll keep our hands to ourselves unless it's somebody that you came with. Those of you joining us digitally, feel free to stand up just the same, and let me speak this benediction over you all, brothers and sisters, as you go. May you be reminded to focus on that right first Domino that you would develop the discipline such that by doing it daily, everything else will be easier and life more extraordinary, that you would live by the power of Jesus's indwelling spirit. So may you go clothed in power and immersed in the heavenly vinegar so that your nature is transformed and we point people to the only one who gives life. God bless you guys. Have a great week. We're glad you're a part of the tribe today. To further connect with us, check citytribe.church.